What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point post-show edition of the Smart Cut Moment Smack Talk podcast. WWE SummerSlam 2020 just ended, so we are going to give you our full breakdown of the results, recap everything that happened on the show, our review of what happened, and so on and so forth. I am your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me as always are Robert D. Felice. I'm tired. So am I, and Cal Wiggins. I never saw this coming. <laughs> what, us being tired or what? <laughs> Just the post show in general. Just, no, just, no, we've never done a post show after a pay per view. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's I know it's weird. It's just like it's the longest, just, uh, longest running thing in a while, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you have been following us for a long time and you did see it coming the way we'd be doing this show, <laughs> then you should know how this works right now. But if you don't, then uh, here's a couple uh, little reminders. One thing being that I want to know what you have to say about this pay-per-view and everything else that's going to come out from this discussion in the comments section below. So if you are listening to us on something like a Spotify or uh, an iTunes or whatever platform, first off, let me know if it's working. Or if, well, technically speaking, let me know if it's not working. I know somebody earlier today messaged me saying that they couldn't get uh, anything with the Google and the iTunes feeds for Fanboys Anonymous. And I know that I've been having some issues here and there with some different things that are completely just random. So sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. Smart Cat Moment seems like it's working okay for me right now, but if it's not, let me know. And... Obviously, all those platforms that don't have a comment section, you can't leave a comment on. So leave a star rating or a follow or whatever they have on those kind of things and hop on over to some kind of platform that does have that. One of them being that you can tweet at SmartCutMoment. You should follow us on there while you uh, are at it. You can post something on the page on SmartCutMoment.com that I have the results for this or the page that we're putting up this podcast. You can go on the Facebook or the best thing out of all of it is to go to the video itself on YouTube and while you're leaving your comment there, hit the like button, hit that applause button if you want to really show some support for this and donate a little bit of the spare change that you've got towards uh, helping us out here. And hit the subscribe button if you haven't done that already. Hit the bell button to ring that for notifications. Just hit all the buttons, essentially. Except for the dislike. Don't do that one. That one's not good. But all the other buttons. Just click buttons all over the place. And, um, you know, we got lots of different ways for you to interact with us like that. Uh, Eventually, we do live things here and there, so if you subscribe and you do the little notification bell, then you know when we have videos up and you know when we go live for things. So keep that in mind for the future because, you know, eventually we're going to be doing another mailbag and eventually who knows what else we're going to be doing. So let's uh, dive into some of these things before we start bouncing around too much all over the place here. Uh, let's go with the kickoff, which was one of those solid hours uh six to seven instead of the two hour one thankfully they don't do the two hour ones lately anymore no need to at this point especially with a smaller card than what SummerSlam and some other of those big force events have had over the past few years but they acknowledged that renee young is leaving so that's totally just 100 percent out there now and not really much of a send-off but at least they acknowledged it i, I kind of liked that yeah i felt they had stuck it in real early to the point where I missed it and actually had to go back and listen to her say it was her last hurrah. It's kind of sad just because I feel like she was the voice of WWE for a while, at least in a backstage capacity. And I'm going to miss her. She brings a lot of personality to things. And the personalities, by the way, I don't usually like the, uh, 
the round tables. They had a lot of fun with this one. I enjoyed watching all of them. Yeah, like, very just good. Well, I was say it was very subdued, just pretty by the numbers departure for Renee Young, just letting us know straight out the gate. And I can't say that I actually listened to any of the post show because I saw JBL and Pete Rosenberg were on it, and so I immediately hit mute until the uh, match came on. So, <laughs> but but yeah, at least they acknowledged it and just cut and dry. She's out after the show. I think my favorite thing was that they were reviewing the Mandy Sony match. And they said, well, what's worse, losing your hair or losing your job? And Renee just goes, I guess I'm going to find out. (laughs) I enjoyed uh, some of the little banter here and there. I liked JBL's a little appearance. I'm glad that they acknowledged the fact that he should have been Hall of Famer at this point. And he's like, yeah, I go to the Hall of Fame, the whole world goes to hell. (laughs) It makes sense. um, Yeah, another really good one. Booker T kept picking on Charlie. Yeah. God, nobody likes you, Charlie. We never had these problems with Ray. <laughs> Just some fun little stuff. Nothing really all that crazy. You know, Shayna Baszler popped up to remind everybody for the fifth time that she wants the next title match for whoever wins between Asuka and Sasha Banks. And nothing really groundbreaking on that end of things. But instead of carrying on throughout the whole rest of the night and bouncing around here and there, I do, I do want to kind of just skip to something and then we can go match by match. This is something that has nothing to do with the kickoff. It's later on. They just put it out there, but I figured let's throw interstitial type stuff out there too. They acknowledged that Keith Lee is going to be on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. Tomorrow, like just right away. Just, hey, Keith Lee's going to Raw. They didn't say Keith Lee's coming to the Raw roster. It didn't say like Keith Lee's been drafted to Raw. Just Keith Lee's going to be on Raw. Yeah, just Raw has no limits. Yeah. Keith Lee is well. Triple H then tweeted, "Keith Lee is going to begin the Limitless Era on Raw." So, hats off to Keith Lee. Went from North American champion to NXT champion to Raw superstar in like a month. Uh, great for him. I thought it was a commercial for Raw Underground at first because I just see it says Raw has no limits, and I'm thinking, yeah, like Raw Underground, no rules. But I like this. I like that he's on Raw, and NXT is definitely going to get an infusion of fresh faces. What do you think about this whole thing, Callum? I just hope they have something for him. I mean, it should be a good move just because Keith Lee's great, and, but we know that people who are extremely talented, when they get called up to the main roster, if they don't actually have anything in mind for them, they just let them meander facing random jobbers from week to week with no real story any sort of projection of where they're going, then it doesn't really matter. You just hope they have a plan in mind for what they actually want to do with him. And at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any clear trajectory for him on Raw. Not they would be on SmackDown either, but obviously I'm excited for him to come up and hopefully that proves me wrong. But it's just a case of, yeah, I don't see him going into a feud for any champions right now because both um, male singles champions are baby faces. And he can eat see. the retribution members. Like if they stay as small as they've been, he can basically <laughs> just walk right through. Yeah, but I don't. What what does that really accomplish? Because they they've already been they haven't been established as a threat or as anything to really care about at this point in time. Beyond the fact that well, beyond the fact they're just being pushed, but nobody really takes them seriously. So him just squashing a bunch of them. I mean, I, my my biggest worry is that he goes on to Raw tomorrow and then he's fighting the ninjas in a three-on-one handicap match or something like that 
What if okay. he just goes into Raw Underground? Much well, stupid as well. Here's another talking point. Did we get any reference at all to Raw Underground? Why would we? It's just, just to acknowledge the fact that it exists. No, just to, like well, that's, that's, two that's seconds to say. That's what rules for. <laughs> that's what we're all is housing the thing. But I mean, like they couldn't do literally Callum's anything. Right. Callum's right. It, 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 this one, he. That's what Ross. Ah, can't talk. Well, why why, they, why don't they always talk about Raw Underground and NXT or SmackDown then? I mean, why not? If you have all this, like, repeat yourself a thousand times, why not take one of those things that you've repeated yourself a thousand times and just promote something different? You know, like, I don't think we need. For instance, I've made this complaint for years. I don't think we need a pre-show that runs down the recap of all the things that you see each and every week from every single episode. Because every episode of Raw and SmackDown, they recap what happened the previous week, and they do the thing. And then the next week, they recap the previous two weeks, that kind of thing. I don't think we need a pre-show that goes through that, and then a video package that leads into that while they talk about the same things. Just to, you know, it's these things aren't that complicated. But if... You go a whole night and there's not even a single thing where it just says like, hey, remember like Raw Underground's the thing we're doing. Check that out on Raw. Two seconds. Like, I don't remember them saying a single thing like that tonight. And I'm wondering why they wouldn't want to do that. Whereas at the same token, they're just sort of like, like here's the difference maker. When we had that whole thing with Mickey James and uh, Natalia. And they decided that the bigger focal point of that should be that for the second time in the night, they would tell you that Rey Mysterio was going to show up later with the whole Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe thing. That to me is like, okay, shit, you advertised that, then you advertised it, then you advertised it, now you're advertising it. I get it. Like, they do that kind of stuff. And then you get some other things and it's like, ah, nah, people don't need to know, don't need to know about that major thing that's happening overall on every Monday night. What? Like, I don't know, it's weird to me, especially because that goes goes into another topic here. No retribution tonight. None at all. Oh, I, thought we were, I, I guess we could talk about that now. Well, um, I mean, it didn't, it doesn't apply to any matches to talk about during the matches. So, because it didn't happen. It's just, this is your big angle going on right now. And these guys look like dorks. They look like they're not only smaller than a lot of the other people on the roster, but there's no name attached to any of them. And they've already gotten to a point where they're not doing things and they've gotten punked out and whatever. This is like the quickest I've seen something go from this should be a huge, huge angle to, wow, you've killed everything about this. Well, they didn't get punked out as bad as Braun Strowman, I promise. But, uh... Retribution will be fine. They have payback, you know, payback, retribution, their synonyms. We'll see them with bad payback. First of all, retribution won't be fine. They were dead on arrival. So it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter anyway. I, I am trying to give them hope. These are like five or 20 or we don't know how many there are, but there's a lot of them. And they have and they no suck. idea what they're doing. And they suck pretty badly. And yeah, they have no idea what they're doing, and they won't have any idea what they're doing. And I imagine this angle will get dropped. Like I think that at the moment, this retribution is going to be dropped quicker than Raw Underground is. But uh, in terms of their presence on the show, they got a video package trying to explain them, which I thought was stupid in the first place. Because if this group is essentially causing havoc 
on the roster and they have no real explanation for being there. They haven't been called up or they're just trying to take over WWE, as it were. Then why would you spend time promoting them at all with a video package, trying to explain their actions or anything? Surely you try and distance yourself from them as much as possible. Because however are we going to know that they're here if we don't get a fancy video package? Well, you do something with them on this show. And it doesn't even need to be, it's not even a case of like it needs to be like this super big, like interrupt the main event or something on those lines. But they could have done something. Just turn the lights off at one point and get chased out of the building. Right. It would be shit. It would be shitty, but you know, it's something. At least it's something at that point. That's what I mean with even like the little Raw Underground thing. You don't need to make the Raw Underground people fight on SummerSlam. But if they say something like, you know, hey, if you're interested in this, we got this going on. If they can plug uh, Payback three times on the, the card and they can plug completely random things, you know, commercials for other stuff and whatever like that, they can mention Raw Underground. And if they're making this retribution thing something, if you're going to put the time in to try to make an angle work, put the time in to try to make the angle work. Don't just have it disappear because you can't think of anything, I guess, for them to do. Or, I mean, we've gotten to a point now where they have gotten progressively less and less impactful and it's been what like three weeks they went from the very first night they're torching stuff and like just wrecking things the second night it looks stupid but they wreck the ring and they do the the chainsaw bit whatever then they start just kind of interfering a little bit here and there then they get like one segment at the beginning of the card and they mess around with uh, the production truck and that's it then they get run off of SmackDown, and now they don't exist. Like, wow, what a shitty group this is. This is like, uh, you know, we keep making these jokes that they seem like these little kid vandals. Well, they're <laughs> the little kid vandals that got uh, the cop pulled up and just went, woo, with the light real quick on his car. Oh and then God, they, ran, they ran home and they cried to their mom. You know, like, awful that that's the case. They really need to do something like immediately to make retribution worth a damn because people have been making fun of it longer than they should have already this has been only a few weeks and it's been a few weeks of people going this is stupid i hope they don't just drop it because i hate when things just disappear i think that's really insulting especially with an angle like this that has had time devoted to it and all that but there's three ways you can go about things like this you either fix the problem you turn into the skid or you drop it so you fix the problem well you can't fix it by doing nothing like this you have to you know make them badasses and actually give people a reason to care you turn into the skid by doing something like okay these guys failed to be the nexus essentially let's make them jokes and have it be because you've at this point you haven't unveiled anybody so anybody could theoretically be a part of this make them a bunch of jobbers that tried to come in and wwe ran them off and isn't wwe so great you could do that if you really wanted to and just say that's it all right they're jobbers fine and then drop it or give it to somebody who you don't mind being somebody that you can kind of push down and make them, I mean, he's not in the company anymore, but this is the first one I thought of, which was Eric Young, where if you were like, 
let's make Eric Young the leader of this whole thing. And he goes like, this is my crew, whatever. And then he gets his ass kicked and it becomes, you thought that you could actually run this show and you could do that? What a loser. And then that becomes his gimmick or something. Tony, all for embarrassing people. At some point, that sometimes ends up being the best way uh, that you can go about doing things, you know? Yeah, I, I got it. If you're not going to make them serious, then make them jokes. And if you're not going to make them serious or jokes, don't make them at all. By the way, shout out to uh, Prakash, who says, it would be uh, helpful if you start sounding more optimistic in your reviews. No offense. This event was a solid 8 out of 10 for me. Your review makes it look like a 4 or 5 out of 10. Well, what am I supposed to say that's optimistic about the retribution side of things, for instance? Like... Give me a reason to to like things, and I like things. Later on, there's going to be some things that I praise on this card. I guarantee it. I figured I'd get some of these topics out of the way real quick, though, just because they're they they don't apply to anything in particular. So it's kind of like, hey, no retribution. What the hell? Instead of saying no retribution in this match or that match, how would you like to see them follow this up? Because at some point tomorrow night, we're going to get something retribution wise, or maybe we won't. Maybe that's their whole plan. Is that they're just not going to do things anymore but is there like a guaranteed way that you think could actually make up for this on raw tomorrow it's all gonna for me it's all riding on whoever the leader is and if the leader is somebody major like you know john cena just throwing out names or like you know cm punk or somebody that it's worth paying attention to that would turn it around for me Yeah, I just don't care about the angle, so I'm not going to bother putting any thought or time into thinking about <laughs> how it's going to be improved. I'd rather just talk about SummerSlam. Well, we do have several matches to talk about here. And... Oh, actually, there's one thing that I, I, I care more about Retribution that I want to talk about. Who the fuck is doing Becca Lynch's voice in that um, ice cream sandwich advert they're doing at the moment? Is that not Becky Lynch? That's clearly not Becky Lynch's voice. Are you kidding me? That's There's no way in hell that's Becky Lynch's voice. I wasn't really paying any attention to it. I don't know. I thought you I, were just I, calmly I, reading an ad, but it didn't no, I picked, sound I picked, like... I picked it up on the Takeover show, and I was going to mention it on Takeover, but then we actually got distracted just talking about the card. Then I just I listened back to it on this show, because I just wanted it just pick my ears a little bit. I think, that doesn't sound anything like Becky Lynch. And if it is Becky Lynch, then I don't know what they did to her voice to make her sound completely not like Becky Lynch. It was just a woman doing a really weird, <laughs> or just doing like Our a vague attempt at... Well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was a better version, a better impression than I'd say, like the John Cena, the fake John Cena from WW2K19. <laughs> but it was about. It was still as obvious as that to me. Well, the, thank God that what happened at the end happened, because I was gonna rip that commercial to shreds yesterday because the four ice cream people weren't even on TV for the last six months. <laughs> I was like, wow, what, what a great representation of your brand. Well, if it was a fake Becky Lynch, that makes sense, because these are fake WWE ice cream bars. <laughs> They're not really the real one that everybody wants to get back. I do want to try them still, though. So, man, I'm kind of wanting the one yeah, of them I right think, now. I even. think I'm going to buy them tomorrow, actually. I, I do want to try them. I don't even know if they're around my area or in all stores or what stores you can uber eats them through the ice cream shop oh i'm not paying like 30 dollars for this shit i i wouldn't either but you know yeah ice cream is good if they end up being eight bucks i don't think i'm gonna end up that much money it's like four dollars that's not bad 
Anyway, uh, we do have matches to talk about, and we also have something when it comes to the Fantasy League, when it comes to this. Now, uh, Callum is going to reveal to us uh, eventually some more information and such, but uh, just to fill everybody in on anybody who didn't necessarily check out the predictions and stuff on how this is all going to go down. Okay, so as we run down the results of the card here, we made our predictions, if you didn't check them out, on the Wednesday show which essentially is going to, we're going to use the results from the predictions. Whoever wins the predictions contest will get the first choice in the fantasy league, which is returning next week in terms of the draft. So whoever got the highest number of correct predictions here will get the first pick. It's obviously second pick, third pick, fourth pick, depending on the order of how many people got predictions right, which I'll reveal as either towards the end or go maybe match by match who got it right, who got it wrong. Uh, we do have a definitive order, but I'll explain how we reach that at the end of it. But yeah, Fantasy League's coming back, and this card is going to determine it. So our first match was Apollo Crews versus MVP for the United States Championship. And I'm going to say one thing right now that I'll not repeat for the next bunch of matches, but it applies to all three of them. Uh, the United States title match, the SmackDown women's title match, and the Raw tag title match. Seen it before. Why? A bunch of times. Uh, it's been, a, I don't know, at least like 10 times, it seems, this year. So since I've seen it and that they didn't do anything different, there wasn't really as much of a need to do it. When it comes to the Apollo Crews and MVP thing, we just got it a few weeks ago, and we've gotten it several other times earlier this year. And why the hell was this not Bobby Lashley or anything different? We didn't get a title change. We didn't get any kind of new story elements. It was literally just MVP lost again. So why bother? It's still better than Carrillo and Andrade. My thought that match. I would match would have been better. That match would have been better. Than this one. I didn't have anything was... really against this match. It's just that I've I, seen I, it. I, you know. Well, yeah, I don't have anything hugely against it, other than the fact that MVP is still good, but he's in his forty in his forties now, and he's not as spry as he used to be. So Apollo has to carry quite a heavy load in the match, as it were. And nothing nothing in this match really caught my attention. The only thing that I even had in terms of my notes was at one point MVP hits a superplex on Cruz and completely loses his grip on Cruz as he's going down. Oh my god, that was a little scary. The way MVP fell. Yeah, but other than that, the the only other thing that really caught well that I had as an attention grabber on this one was the fact that I'd only re I'd only seen bits and pieces from SmackDown, so this is my first real experience of the Thunderdome. Yeah. And I love I I like pretty much every aspect of it, besides the people. screens, besides yeah. the people. If the, if the, if those screens were just used as just ex, extra devices in terms of lighting and effects and stuff like that, then that would be cool. But just seeing all those people, there's so many that don't give a crap that they're on there or they're doing like the clap the clapping along, and it seems a bit odd. There's people with the weird masks. There was that one thing that was uh, posted around Twitter quite a bit of the, some, the person that managed mm-hmm. to get a fire velveteen dream sign up for uh, oh, being taken off. You did really? No, that, I saw... Yeah, it, was just, it was just before the uh, Banks uh, Asuka match. I saw somebody holding up a stuffed Pikachu. Ah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, that doesn't do anything for me. Like, it makes it seem a little bit... It, it, it's really just weird just watching a load of people in terms of their 
just watching on a screen or through headphones and stuff like that. So, but everything else, the lighting, the special effects, it's much better than performance, the performance center. So that that's at least an improvement on that regard. Is it not throwing you off that the sound is just literally it, it, for the entire it, time? It was in the first few matches, but they because I didn't I didn't find myself getting invested in it. As soon as I started getting invested in matches, they actually it actually added a little bit to it. And that may be due to the fact that I watch a lot of like Premier League football right now. Well, I was when, before the season ended, and they were doing artificial crowd noise for that as well. And I think that actually added to the experience once they got when they got it a little bit once they over time got refined it and went right with it. I think this is an early stage of what we can expect going forward. I think that they'll they'll be fine using that as long as they have matches that people are willing to get invested in. Well, it's hard to get invested in rematch number eight for a yeah, lot of these yeah, things. This, I mean, yeah, Cruiser and MVP was not uh, not a great choice in that regard. I was, I was, um, I don't know whether I was excited or disappointed with the fact that MVP tried to do the uh, playmaker because the overdrive is the is one of the worst moves in wrestling yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. That's really yeah. just a disgusting move that never. And the first time somebody would have done that, somebody should have just been like, "You do realize that none of that makes any sense, right?" And then you you realize you're just slamming your knee into the mat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MVP's got a new theme. I think this was the first well, time that he, I heard it. He, that's what I was going to ask. I didn't know if this was brought up on Raw or anything. He brought back the VIP balling theme that he had at the end of his WWE run the first time around. I don't remember this one at all. And I like that the Hurt Business has merch. Yeah, they should Sh- be. Shelton like, has merch. Like, fuck yeah. There's no reason why there shouldn't that. be, especially now that they have that printing thing. They should be pumping out different designs left and right and letting people do that. But you know what? As much as they can make new shirts and they can make a new theme or tweak his old theme or whatever they did with that, apparently they can't replace the graphic for the United States Championship. No, I didn't mm-hmm. notice that as well. It's I did still, not notice that. What? It's the old title popped up on the screen, and it's the old title still on the website. So they can't even take the graphic and change the URL on the website. And they That's didn't, pretty lazy. They've had this belt for, at the very least, if you don't factor in the idea that uh, Belt Fan Dan had a, a picture of it in December, uh, they've had it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and nobody's made a graphic to have the screen pop up and have the United States Championship like that. Come on. like You're paying these people to do their jobs. Why aren't they doing their jobs? Or why aren't you telling them to do that? That's the point. Shit. I have noticed that the blogger thing that I go through with for my website has uh, been changing because they've been doing a whole lot of different things with Google and stuff. Look at the website. Things are changing on Smart Out Moment and Fanboys Anonymous. You know why? Because I'm being a responsible business owner and I am going through and making sure that templates work and that you know things are loading correctly and whatever as much as I can. I wouldn't go all this time and just be like, ah, it's the old belt. Who cares? Like, little details like that make me go. How many people work at this company? Really? Well, I don't know. Less than used to a couple of months ago. Still, they made these kind of mistakes before too, and there's no excuses when it comes to that stuff. Somebody had to click the graphic to run the graphic, and they would have known that it's the wrong graphic. So, come on, guys, get on the ball with this kind of stuff. You know, little touches like that just make it seem bush league, and WWE should not be bush league. But MVP loses again. No surprises there. And they followed up with Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin coming out to do nothing. 
They were banned ringside. So they come out after the match and it's just, we're going to attack you. Uh, well, you got away. Utterly pointless. They didn't need to do this at all. Yeah, I really was hoping for the Cedric heel turn I had alluded to on the predictions. But no, nothing. Then we had the Bailey versus Asuka match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. They played a lot into this idea that Bailey's shoulder was hurt, yet it didn't really come into factor at all throughout the night. Kind of disappointed in that. Nothing stood out to me. I'm glad that Bailey to Belly is no longer a finisher that uh, people can't kick out of because that never worked. And ultimately, Bailey retains with a little bit of help from Banks. Logical, but to be honest, I mean, at this point, we've seen it a bunch of times. I don't care. Let's move on. That's basically how I looked at it. Yeah, there's nothing in the match that really grabbed my attention too much. I thought that it was it was still good. These guys have good matches together, but yeah, the the only real spot that caught my attention in terms of like something that was really good was Asuka catching uh, Bailey in an elbow drop and then turning that into an armbar straight away. But then you have the Sasha involvement. Sasha gets hip to- uh, gets hip attacked off the ring apron. Bailey uses that to cradle up Asuka and get the victory. So. It makes it make it made sense for the story they were telling throughout the entire night with these three. So I'm not too in hindsight, I'm not too upset about how this match played out at all. It was an okay match. It wasn't like anything to write home about, but logical story. And we basically have been talking ad nauseum about where this is gonna go. Well, if you want to write home about anything in particular, you should pick up a notebook on the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble because there are designs for its market moment, Fanboys Anonymous, and A Mango Tees that you can slap <sighs> on a notebook there. <laughs> that was a weird transition, but it worked, didn't it? Haha. So if you want to pick up a t shirt or a sticker or a magnet or a laptop sleeve or a phone case or whatever it is, Lots of different products, lots of different designs on all three of those shops, Redbubble and TeePublic, as I mentioned. Let's move over to the Raw Tag Team Championship match. The Street Profits for the, I don't know, 19th time this year beat Andrade and Angel Garza. Can we be fucking done with this feud already? This one I was very much upset about. Like, MVP and Apollo, I get it. But this one, why even do the fucking match? Why not have, uh, I don't know, there was the Viking of Cedric and Ricochet. Why not have them just fight for the tag titles at SummerSlam just to do something different? What the fuck? Or if you want to keep this going, which is still just like, guys, don't drag things out for four months, four and a half months, really, because it was uh, prior to WrestleMania, so it's before the beginning of uh, April. For like four and a half, five months, these people have been feuding with each other. You've done every match. It's been singles matches. It's been tag team matches. It's been triple threat matches. Oh, not triple threat. Uh, Six-man tag, mixed tag matches, Street Profits, and Viking Raiders against Andrade and Garza and two other people. They have had Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins, Angel Garza and Andrade fight each other enough times that I can't really keep track of whether that where the Bailey and Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks stuff has been more. It's the same stuff. Raw and SmackDown are just 
here's three feuds for 2020 for essentially. And I'm so sick and tired of it because I like these guys, but crap, do something different at the very least throw in Mustafa Ali and Ricochet, make it a triple threat tag team match or something like that, just to do something different here. And their idea of doing something was, why don't we have Kevin Owens be on commentary? Why? Well, he did announce that, uh, he would be hosting Aleister Black on the Kevin Owens show. So that is completely okay. irrelevant to what this is. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing to do with the tag yeah, why match. Why didn't, yeah, why didn't they use this match to promote Raw Underground? Yeah. You could throw stuff out there. Because Ivar and Eric weren't in the match. Mm. But I mean, could, in terms of the match itself, it, it, it doesn't make sense for it to have been extended out for this long. And if you're not going to have Andrade and Angel win, and it seems like they're now going down the route that seemed to be happening a few months ago with the fact that they seem to be teasing the breakup between these two again. But now that they've flipped the breakup in that it looks like Andrade will stay with Zelina and Garza might go on his own. Yeah, which I think makes the most sense because Garza's got more charisma than the two of them. I think Zelina needs uh, Andrade would need Zelina still going forward. I mean, their act needs freshening up in the first place anyway, but Gaza is probably the safer person to spread his wings and go out on his own if they do, do decide to pursue that way. I don't really see like Ford and Dawkins. They're still obviously a lot of fun to watch, and the match itself is pretty good. But they're running in place at the moment, so they need to have something <laughs> new to do. Literally, I know that's for match anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but. But at, yeah, but at the moment they're just like stuck in limbo, even though they are the champions, and there isn't really a definitive competition against them right now. That's so WWE tag team though. Oh yeah, I'm not like I didn't expect, I wouldn't expect it, but that's just the situation we're in. It's just a shame because it's sort of like I get it. You're working with not the full spectrum of everything that you can do. But that hasn't stopped WWE from doing repeat stuff a million times either. It's not like COVID's the only reason why this is happening. They're just being lazy, and they don't want to do more work and figure out more angles and stuff, so they just repeat the same things a million times, and it's so goddamn frustrating. Um, Let's see here. Let's move on to the loser leaves WWE no disqualification match, (laughs) if you could call it that. Uh, Mandy uh, Rose versus Sonya Deville. We've talked about so, this, of course, on the hot tags as far as why this changed over to a no disqualification loser leaves WWE match instead of a hair versus hair match, and that that's disappointing, but it's understandable because of the whole attempted kidnapping situation of Sonya Deville, which is just absolutely horrible. But keeping that in mind and knowing that there's a possibility that a lot of things hindered this in a way that normally wouldn't have been the way that they would have gone about doing things. First off, they would have wanted to be in front of a crowd. They would have wanted it to be a hair versus hair match. That would have happened a lot earlier in the year. And there wouldn't have been this uh, kidnapping thing that would have been hovering over it. I still got to say this though. I can't put the, the optimistic swing on this. This sucked. It was about a dozen knee strikes from Mandy and they set up a table and do nothing with it. That's a pet peeve of mine. What the fuck did you take out a table for if you're not going to do anything with it? Why was it a no DQ match? They, they threw chairs at each other. Take that out. Does it change anything about the match? Nothing. All right, listen. I'm sure that both women 
just thought that that would be something special to add. And they, for them, this was WrestleMania in the main event. I just didn't like it. I think that they're both capable of more. Mm-hmm. You know, Mandy hit, as Tony mentioned, like five or six knees. Oh, no, she did way more than that. I counted five after she had done a, a few of them. So there was she like five the, over like 30 seconds. She did the angel's wings. I don't know what she calls it for the victory. Sonia no sells it. Hyena just walks off, fakes a temper tantrum. I'm trying not to be too mean because she's going through something traumatic. It's just that it sucked, mm-hmm. you know, and objectively, like, like just looking at it in the context of inside the WWE universe, this was just bad. Right. If you and, if you have that bubble of knowing that there's things going on behind the scenes, you can be a little bit more uh forgiving. But if you ignore that, which I mean to be fair, that's not a part of the storyline, so that's something else to keep in mind. Just the same as if you watch a movie and the director's been going through stuff or an actor's been like, you know, dealing with alcoholism or something like that, you're not like, okay, well then that changes the movie. It doesn't really. If you just look at this in its own little bubble, it's like, oh, this was terrible <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it just wasn't good. And I don't want to be Cornette, but like, damn, she just no sold the whole thing and got right up. I was like, was it really that bad of a beating that, you know, like, I, I just didn't like it, and I'm sad that Sonia is leaving mm-hmm. WWE. I wish her nothing but the best in the wake of that fucking psychopath trying to kidnap her and all of the disgusting uh, DMs he sent her. But from a WWE standpoint, just not good. I would describe the match as underwhelming, not flat out bad. I think that what they actually did in the story they told was not problematic for me. I think that some of the actual spots and transitions weren't as good as they expect them to be. They shouldn't have spent time putting setting the table up because Manny spent a good solid thirty seconds trying to put a table up and then not use it altogether. Yep. I I actually like the finish. I think the finish worked really well. In terms of her, essentially, Rose just... I like definitive finishes. Obviously, we'll talk about somewhere the finish came out of nowhere, but I like stuff where... It's it's very New Japan style, almost, where somebody just hits a bunch of moves to the person that they're beating repeatedly and just, okay, you're flat out done. So Rose definitively defeated Sonya Deville. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. She was the better woman on the night, so she can progress forward off the back of this. And yeah, obviously, hopefully Sonia comes back from this traumatic incident as strong as possible. But right now, if you if that's if that can't be possible and at, at this point in time, then you have to make Mandy look as strong as possible. And even though the match itself, I don't think delivered as well as I was hoping it to, it still is positioned Mandy with that victory to maybe go forward and be the next challenger for Bailey's Women's Championship or something else in the meantime. I'd be down for that. I'd be down for Mandy versus Bailey. Not me. I want them to just cut the cord and do the Bailey and Banks thing and just get it I, over with. We know, Tony, but we have to talk about other things sometimes. But that leaves Mandy with nothing really left to do unless they do the whole draft thing, which if they do the whole draft thing, then why are they bringing Keith Lee up immediately? And then, you know, like there's the whole 
It's a tangled web. <laughs> and I don't have a, a lot of faith web, that... Not a tangled web? No, I said tangled. You said angled. Might have sounded weird, but I said tangled. Okay. Uh, I don't have any faith that they're they're spinning the right webs. It's going to be one of those things that you just walk into and you just go, nah, goddammit, and roaming the whole thing, you know? Then after the match, Otis comes out and he's just like, hey, remember, I'm a thing. Here's my money in the bank briefcase. Let's celebrate. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. This dude ran down to that ring like he was going to cash in the briefcase right. on Mandy. <laughs> he ran down with such like force. Like, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's my time now. That was the funniest thing to me. Mandy's attempt at a caterpillar was sad. And it just felt really weird. What a complete waste of this money in the bank. And for that matter... You can't even say it's just a waste of the money in the bank. They've done nothing with Otis since he won that. It's like they gave him an albatross instead. Well, because you might be shocked to learn this, but Otis should never have won the money in the bank. Right, he never should have. Like, like Otis is not a money in the bank guy. I, I, I My hope is that the new... Uh, newly reformed badass that showed up at the end of the show just says, fuck you, you don't deserve that. I'm taking that from you. I, I think it was ham- it's been hampered due to the fact that Mandy clearly got COVID in between like yep. in in the times up to that point because she was just dropped from TV for a few weeks. And so if Mandy wasn't around, there seemed to be no point with having Otis about. But yeah, he shouldn't it's, it's obviously there's been it's everyone's like nobody's blind to the fact that he shouldn't be the money in the bank briefcase holder but yeah i mean if if he didn't have that briefcase then it's totally fine with him just being like the comic relief and Mm -hmm. the support for mandy at this point in time but the fact that he is holding that briefcase and the fact that the fiend was completely laid out at the end of the night and he didn't cash in so he's not even a good money in the bank briefcase holder (laughs) just like spotting an opportunity if you were mr money in the bank and you can justify your lack of a spot on the card for a two-level thing, because you could be a regular superstar and get more... I mean, look at how many people are doing things on a weekly basis that have nothing close to the Money in the Bank briefcase. Akira Tozawa's got a bunch of ninjas, and he pops up every week. He wins... He's won more championships <laughs> over the course of this, technically speaking, because of the 24-7 title than Otis has won. And, and that's insane to think that, like... It's the truth, but it's weird to go, well, Mandy had COVID, so there's no reason for our Mr. Money in the Bank to do anything. Like, shit, really? Because his girlfriend's not there, you can't take this character who has a tag team partner and a Money in the Bank briefcase and could be a viable character on his own? He can't do anything? Come on. Writers, like, do your jobs. Do Think of something for the guy to do. Even if it's not the most engaging thing in the world, if you got him doing something... That's one of the benefits that happened with the Vince Russo era. There's not a whole lot of stuff that was like amazing, but you really can look back on that and go, wow, everybody had a story. I would like to clarify for anybody listening that we at Smart Cat Moment cannot confirm that Mandy Rose had COVID, but we're just making an educated guess. If that's the case, or if she, maybe she didn't, but they were taking their precautions or whatever, but they wouldn't have kept them off TV during this whole kind of thing like that, if that wasn't something well, there. Well, considering, I just go with the I, the logic with that, that considering during her time off, she was filming loads of stuff with Lana and Rusev right. did have COVID. 
think that's pretty yeah. clear as well. So, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that all three of them had COVID and were just staying together at that point in time. Especially since they're not allowed to talk about it. So if she would have had that, she probably yeah. wouldn't have said, yay, by the way, I'm sick, you know? Yeah, I know I have to say, like, allegedly that sort of thing, but to be fair, I'm not a journalist, so I don't give a fuck. So I'm just, well, that's that's, that's I'm why the I'm... one who is a journalist just happened to just throw that out there. That's one of the reasons why I throw myself out there as pundit. <laughs> like, I have had that luxury. I'm like, I do opinion things. <laughs> uh, I do the the POV talky things. <laughs> That's what I do. So Street Fight was the next thing. Dominic Mysterio against Seth Rollins. And Dominic earlier in the night had said to Ray, don't come out and help me in the match. I need to be my own man and do things on my own. And of course that didn't happen because Seth Rollins has Murphy ringside and it becomes... You know, no, kind of a two on one. His and... father was going to be there. He said, "Don't, yeah, don't get interrupt in there with the match." Seth. Yeah, and uh, Angie got into this a little bit. They had a moment where they were teasing the idea that Seth was going to start wailing on her with the kendo sticks, and I was like, "If WWE has the balls to do this, <laughs> that'll shock me so much." Because it's like over the past couple of months, because this feud's been going on fucking forever too, which I'm sick and tired of, and I really want it to end. Uh, this draft can't come quick enough. They have had like, uh, all the people that are involved with like Owens and AOP and all Samoa Joe and all these people at the beginning of the year and whatever. Ignoring those, over the course of this time frame, we've gotten three, I think, instances of somebody getting their eyeball slammed into the uh, steel steps. Maybe just two. I'm thinking of just two. But they've had more than enough times where they've tried to. They injure Alistair Black. They take this guy out. They do this, whatever like that. They wail on Dominic like throughout uh, 30 times with the kendo sticks. And I was just kind of like, you know, if you really want to be shitty about this, if they beat the crap out of Angie, it's going to be like, God damn. But I, of course, didn't expect that to be the case. Um, I, well, I first want to say this is where the show actually began. Yeah, this is where things <laughs> got actually decent throughout the night. Um, regards to the Angie thing, Rey Mysterio is the worst telenovela actor <laughs> in the fucking history. Because, like, the, the stuff 15 years ago with Eddie and Dominic wasn't great. But when he's handcuffed and Seth turns and looks at his wife and he's going, no, take me, take me. Instead. It's like, He's not gonna, you know, drag you off into the abyss and shoot you. He's just looking at your wife. Like, <laughs> ah, I did appreciate Seth Rollins saying, "Are you sure he's your kid and not Uncle Eddie's?" While having Dominic in headlocks, but nobody picked up on that. And I liked that uh, Dominic did a frog splash. I wrote down in the wrestling news thing: Dominic does a frog splash in tribute to his real father. I mean, Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I like Dominic here. Yeah. He was good. I mean, he's not Pat McAfee good, which is so weird that that's a phrase to say now, but but he did a pretty damn good job. Like, you know, he looked like he fit in a way and, you know, he held his own. So one of the major, major positives I have to say about SummerSlam is actually good job, Dominic. He looks like TJP. Yeah, without all his, the tattoos. His out yeah, but his outfit really hammered that home for me. Yeah, I don't think he should be wearing a hood 
in matches going forward. Dumb. Just, what, like, what is that? Because it, it's just something that's just always going to get in the way. And it just like, there was multiple points during the match where it's just like, he's just taking the hood off because it's, it's ridden up on his head or whatever. He's just like, why don't you just wear something that doesn't have a hood? Just just cut out the middleman, essentially. Just If it's constantly getting in your way, then maybe you can just have a hoodless jacket instead. Um, in terms of other attire, what the fuck was Seth Rollins wearing? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. That... That looked like it. I wrote that down too. I said Seth uh, Seth's ring gear doesn't evoke Monday Night Messiah vibes to me. It looks cool, but you got to put it on somebody else. It looked, it looked awesome, but you know what it was? He was mocking the Halloween Havoc '97 gear for from Ray. Uh, no, I don't know that off the top of my head. I mean, I mean, I, now you're saying that it does it does pick out for that side of things, but it just looked like okay, he got. Prince's uh, <laughs> designers to come in for uh, so, that's, that's, that's a Seth trope that every single summer stand he wears something absolutely ridiculous is that where he debuted the fire pants it might have been the fire pants oh no I think Wrestlemania was the fire pants but he did the... it, it, that was when he wore the, uh, the bright white uh, oh, yeah. he did the Thanos that didn't look good either yeah, yeah. but so, no yeah. I like this one but the match itself was a lot of fun for the most part. It was a bit melodramatic in places, as you mentioned, with um, Ray and Angie and everyone else involved. But the actual, it made Dominic look good because he was in there with a top guy and held his own for the most part. He got very fiery towards the end when Seth teased going after his mum. And then he just like was beating the crap out of everyone for a while. He almost got the victory. And Rollins pulled it out in the end, though, because Rollins is the most experienced one in the ring. He was the one that was dominant throughout it. I do have to think that at some point, I know obviously there's the idea that want this feud to end and transition on something else, but it kind of feels like it's been very one-sided in terms of victories towards uh, Seth Rollins and uh, Murphy. I think that to kind of cap it off and have the baby poses go forward, you need to have a tag team match and give them the victory, give the Mysterios the victory. So maybe that will happen at Payback. And then you move on past it. But right now, it just feels like there needs to be a babyface outcome to this at some point. I hope it's just, let's do that at Payback. Because I can take one more week of them on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. Just saying, this is what happened at, I almost said Extreme Rules, at SummerSlam. And then Ray and Dominic say, hey, you know, you wanted to drag us into this. You brought Murphy into it, whatever like that. Let's do one more match, whatever like that. I'd be okay with that, and then if that's the end of the feud, then we can move on, because ultimately, I think if they drag this out any longer than that, it's not going to have a payoff at all. It's just going to be kind of the way that the Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio stuff did with Dominic. That just fizzled into nothing, you know? Well, I kind of feel with Alistair Black going to be returning on the Kevin Owens show, that's seemingly where the next direction is to Seth Rollins, is a feud with Alistair Black. Because that was... It was him and Murphy that took Alistair Black out for a while, so that seems to be the most logical direction to go with it. Not too much interested in that since we've seen enough matches between them too. I don't I like it wrong. when it's like uh, somebody's feuding with somebody, so then they have tangential peach bowl, and then the tangential okay. peach bowl. Ah, tangential. Ah, I'm screwing up too much. You know the word, tangential people. Uh, just become well. You've been feuding with them on the side. Now, about you feud with them for a couple months, well, like yeah. Well, well, frankly. Who is there on the raw roster that Seth Rollins hasn't feuded with? And and, and beyond 
Well, yeah, <laughs> keep William Brigham in and just be like you now. Yeah. But then beyond that, even beyond that, I know you could mention like the draft stuff like that. But who on the SmackDown roster has Seth Rollins not feuded with? Seth Rollins has been a mainstay and has fought pretty much from mid card tag team and main event level across his entire run. Pretty much everybody, maybe like one or two people, he hasn't fought very significantly before. He would have had matches with pretty much everybody. So uh, I don't really know what you can really do in terms of that. Like you say, Keith Lee, but okay, so you want to have like a four month, five month feud with Keith Lee just to make sure that there's someone else maybe coming around. Like by that point, you would have called up someone else from NXT that you could feud with instead. I mean, there's Matt Riddle, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles. They have to- AJ Styles. He had a match for the AJ Styles. They didn't have a right. Really they, they had a world championship match for it. They had a match. They didn't yeah. have a rival. I don't I even remember the match, let alone a, a feud that went on long enough or anything. When it was, was that? His first feud off, it was his first feud off. Money in the Bank last year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on that. It's just been too long of a year. But, um, you know, there's those. I mean, uh, I. Don't think we've gotten like I'd rather get something like, for instance, uh, this maybe doesn't fit exactly with the way that everything is right now. But you could always change up stories and stuff. I'd be more interested in seeing Seth Rollins against Ricochet than to see Seth Rollins against Aleister Black again or Seth Rollins against Apollo Crews. You know, just bounce around on some different people here. Make uh, Rollins and Murphy go after the tag titles. Have them against the Tree Profits. Yeah, because they didn't do that. That hasn't happened, Harry. <laughs> that's exactly what Tony, that's how Tree won the title. Won, yeah. With the help of Kevin Owens, who graciously sat in on commentary. It all comes full circle. My God, that was, yeah. It's just, see, but that's long enough, now, Val, Val, that, ah, my God, I'm all over the place. I'm so tired. <laughs> that's been long enough that I forgot about that, so then it wouldn't bother me as much. As opposed to but, just the Alistair Black stuff has been go going back and on. Listen to the February yeah. podcast and listen to how that should bother you back then. Back then, so, yeah. yeah. But yeah. now, so, now but, we have to, so we just have to wait another three months and then we could have Rey Mysterio versus uh, Seth Rollins again. That'll be fine. Well, now if you do it that many times in a row, yeah, I mean, that does get bothersome. And I'm sure that if you did Seth Rollins and Murphy against uh, the Street Profits for seven weeks in a row, I'd be like, oh my God, can we move on? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just. I don't mind if you do rematches once in a while, and I don't mind if a rematch happens within a certain vicinity of a rematch or whatever, but, like, I mean, you figure the Mysterio and Rollins stuff has been going on since the day after Rollins had fought Drew McIntyre. Throughout that whole thing, every single week, Aleister Black and Humberto Carrillo and Kevin Owens and Mysterio have been a part of this whole thing. So it's been months of those people fighting with each other. I've seen Seth against Aleister Black. I've seen Aleister Black against Murphy. There's nothing that they're going to do over the course of this time frame that's going to be different. It's going to be, hey, why don't we book Aleister Black against Murphy because we can't have him against Seth leading up to whatever the next part of the feud is. And then it becomes, well, let's do a tag match and it's Seth and Murphy against Black and blank. Kevin Owens or Roberto Carrillo. And we've seen them. So I... To say we're going to pick up where we left off with the thing from a couple weeks ago that we had for a couple weeks or a couple months or whatever, it's just, I've seen it. Move on. Aleister Black against somebody else. Rollins against somebody else. I definitely think Keith Lee is going to be Rollins' guy. 
Well, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that this suit needs to end at some point and needs to move on. It's just a case of I'm just kind of waiting for Rollins to go on paternity leave, go away for a few months, and then come back a little bit fresher. Because I just I'd be don't like that too. Cause I, yeah, because I just don't like the gimmick and I don't like him in his character, so I'd rather he just left for a while. Because he's been he's been too ever present for a while. Yeah, so that's uh that's one thing there. Then we move over to the Raw Women's Championship match. Asuka wins the title from Sasha Banks, and they had a pretty damn good match with an outcome that I feel wasn't as good as it could have been. I didn't really like the way that they executed the finish. That should have been... Like, if you if you explained it as something happens with Bailey and Asuka ends up capitalizing and Sasha Banks loses the title, yeah, okay. But if you go, what is the thing that happens? That's where I think that they fall short. I would agree with you. I do want to take a moment to talk about Thunderdome because this was the match, as Callum said earlier, where the uh, Fire Bill Team Dream sign got onto the uh, the screen very briefly. And the person who made that sign came forward and also said that during the show, they were being given cues by whomever the moderator is. And, like, if you didn't want to boo Sonya Deville, for example, they would just boot you from the Thunderdome. <laughs> and I think stuff like that's interesting to talk about. So I just wanted to bring it up here. This fucking match ruled all kinds of ass. I thought this was one of the best Sasha matches I've seen in a while. And Asuka is just the best wrestler on the planet. Yeah, I, I think that this was my match of the night as well. I think that the finish notwithstanding, and I do agree with Tony with that regards, and obviously the finish is an important part of a match. So, But I think overall with what they delivered in this one, it had the most, actually had the most, it was amazing after two like hard, well, no disqualification matches essentially. And then you go for this and this is the match which actually got me going like, holy shit, what are they doing in this regard? And that's a, a common thing with that, uh, Sasha Banks matches on pay-per-view because she has no regard for her own health and safety and clearly not the health and safety of other people that she's working with either, considering that pa- that sunset flip powerbomb to the outside that Asuka's head clearly bounced off the floor. So, that was one of the highlights of the whole thing outside of the fact that it was dangerous, though. Looked oh, yeah, good. obviously. It, yeah, look, it looked really great, and there was a lot of really good spots in this match, like the, the reverse powerbomb, which immediately transitioned into a knee bar on Sasha Banks. That uh, DDT off the middle rope, or the um, as many people refer it to, the Scotty Too Hot D Malenko spot from uh, Backlash 2000. That is a great reference. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's just one of those matches that like no loads of people just haven't seen, and then when you do see it, like wow, these obviously everyone knew D Malenko was great, but wow, Scotty Too Hot could actually work. I thought of uh, Edge and Chris Jericho because we had just seen the match from Global Warning where Edge does the execution spot from the top. And that's what it made me think of. But I loved it. I love top rope moves, especially was, when they're cool DDTs. It was even like this um this minor one where um Asuka gets uh, Sasha Banks for an alley oop, and she blocks it with a code breaker. And I thought, wow, that is just I so that was cool. This was the match that I thought that Sasha and Asuka could have that I hadn't seen yet, and they yeah, this is the best match they've had together in their entire in the entire time this uh, feud's been running. Now, on to the finish, because three for three, I also agree that the finish was not what I would have done in terms of 
really hammering home that the friendship isn't as strong as you might think. Because Bailey just fucked up. Like, she tried. You know, she tried to help her friend. It didn't backfire or anything. It's just Asuka got the better of both of them. Yeah, they I tried think, to do... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think the story they were trying to tell is that in the first match, uh, Asuka had the hip attack and it hit Sasha Banks. She fell off the apron and that allowed Bailey to capitalize. I think the story they were trying to tell, which they, I think, was a stupid idea anyway, but is that Bailey didn't take the hip attack from Asuka. She dodged it, and that allowed, and that obviously that was quote unquote less of a distraction, which meant that Sasha Banks could get couldn't get the full advantage on Asuka. Whereas I think the the smarter way to do it would have been have Bailey on the apron again, but have a case where Sasha almost hits Bailey but pulls up the brakes because she doesn't want to hit her. Then Asuka puts in the Asuka lock. And then you mm-hmm. have the win. Or be... like uh, Bailey takes the hip attack in a weird way where maybe they factor in that shoulder thing from earlier. Like I was thinking that maybe they would do something where she would have been like, oh, I was going to try to help, but I messed up my shoulder. I'm the real victim here. You see what happened with my yeah. shoulder? You just lost yeah. your championship, like that kind of thing. Something just, where yeah, Bailey like... actively screwed things up instead of whatever the hell they were going for with that. Yeah, and, uh, we don't even have to be like actively screwing up with, with the Sasha Banks one. It just has to be something which would add more animosity to them. Just something where Sasha could feasibly blame Bailey for it. And I get the spot of like she's in the Oscar lock and she's calling out for Bailey, and Bailey's nowhere to be found. She looks on the one side of the apron and the other side, but you could have done it more effectively, you know? Yeah. That's where one of those issues comes in where, like, I, I gave it a highlight. You know, it's one of the better things of the night, but it's like, oh, if I'm, I'm going to nitpick, the finish wasn't all that great. You got where you needed to go, especially since we didn't need to go in this direction to begin with. This was just a month-long stall, It was a good stall. You know what? Having seen it play out, I think it was a good stall. I don't because... think it's a stall. I think it's, a, I think it's an evolution of it. I don't think it was a stall at all. I think that this adds it to it. This... Because if you would have just done something with Bailey and Sasha in the months prior to this, it wouldn't be. It would be effective if you're thinking about, I don't say effective, but it would be sort of like, okay, finally they're doing it. Whereas now there's something actually fueling their separation. And on the Asuka side of things, she was just gifted the title by Becky Lynch. You know, you had to kind of... Well, she won the money in the rework. bank. Well... Yeah, but you know what I mean. She was a heel one second and then immediately a babyface. I think having this to firmly establish her as a babyface and then throw her into the feud with Shayna, who I hope it is Shayna, because they did tease that it might be Nia Jax. And no, please. But I thought this worked out better for Asuka than anything else before it. I think a lot of this is going to have to be figured out in hindsight too because if you think about it if they go with the Shayna thing and it ends up being kind of a Keith Lee and Karrion Cross situation where we go well if Shayna loses that sucks and if Shayna wins then that sucks for Asuka then you know we're, we're not going to know until everything's over of course and then even then you don't know because things can still change but I, would, I, would, I ultimately I like- look at a lot of this as kind of being like all right, they had this thing where they decided to go in this direction and then they waited a month and then they went back to normal. I would, I would say that this match also and, and, and the post-match stuff and everything in the build-up to it has made me ask myself one saving question about what we believe to be like the inevitable Bailey and Sasha Banks feud. 
is that who's going to be the baby face in that? Yep. That's a fucking great question. <laughs> but that's the question that's been going on since this feud started. I, I disagree because I think prior to October of last year, the obvious would have been Sasha's the heel. But Bailey turning heel, full heel in October, mm-hmm. and having since then becoming so like an insufferable Karen type, I think you might want to say it's Sasha. Sasha has but, to be the babyface. Yeah, but Sasha's so much better in this heel role. Exactly. Like, her, her entire babyface run on the main roster was very underwhelming compared to the boss. She comes across with much more character. She's so much more charismatic. She feels more comfortable in her own skin when she's performing now in the heel role. I just don't think... I personally think it should be heel versus heel. It should be. Yeah, and it should just be a case of these two just are so like overconfident with themselves and they think that they're the best and they don't transition their characters at all. They just have a grudge feud or a couple of matches or whatever. Just get out of the system and they both come out the other side heels. Ideally, not only would it have happened a long, long time ago, but it would be heel versus heel at this point because neither of them should turn and it doesn't drag on even longer. Just have Banks versus Bailey for the SmackDown title. Banks beats Bailey. Maybe you can get one more match out of it, but don't make that the type of thing where it's like you have their match at Clash of Champions and their rematch is going to happen at TLC. So the next three months, we're going to tease that their rematch is going to happen. Don't do that. Don't make this a three-year-long feud that carries over from a a multi-month feud from the past two. And just have Sasha be the new champion, and then you can move up to whoever else ends up being the one that beats her as a babyface. Maybe it's Mandy, maybe it's Naomi, maybe it's Bianca Belair, depending on the draft type situation. Who knows what where people are going to land, but... That would be the ideal, because you can do heel versus heel if you do it well. You can do babyface versus babyface if you do it well. The downside to it'll be that they probably won't. They'll probably turn Sasha babyface and not know what to do with her and struggle for a few months. Actually, no, they probably won't struggle for a few months, because uh, Asuka never retains, or Sasha never retains her title long, so <laughs> they'll struggle for about three days and then have somebody else end up winning it. But I still just want it to be over with. I just just cut to the finish line. I'm sick and tired of watching the the race repeat laps over and over again. I think they're adding layers, and you know, mostly at this point, I think it's a major hit. Well, we're gonna have such a disagreement by the end of the year when we get to the awards, and I'm saying <laughs> that the worst heel of the year is Bailey. Yeah, you're gonna be miles off in that regard. Well, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone will agree, and no one will agree. With you. I'm sick and tired of her so much. I really hate it. Actually, I don't know if there's other people. There might be, a, yeah, retribution might be a better option for worst deal, but that's not saying much. That's not going. Oh, because Bailey's so great in my mind. It's just how awful is retribution? Bailey's great. You're wrong on this one, Kevin. Kevin. Captain, I said Captain. Oh. Captain, not Kevin. <laughs> I I did call you Kevin the other day. Though. <laughs> I work with too many people. I'm sick of it. Let's move on. Uh, I've said it a million times. Whatever, you know. But one thing I'm not sick of is Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. I like this match. I liked a lot. This felt like just so good. So traditional WWE stuff that we just don't see anymore. Callum and I have been watching a lot of O2 SmackDown. 
with the Paul Heyman SmackDown podcast. And this felt like one of those matches. Two legit dudes just going at it. McIntyre finally gets a world champion's fucking entrance. Awesome stuff with the pyro and everything going off in the big arena. I loved everything about this match. Yeah, this is a, a very, very good match. Obviously, I have a love-hate relationship with Randy Orton in terms of I don't think I'm ever more out out of focus in a wrestling match during a Randy, than during a Randy Orton heat segment. But he kept it relatively short in this one, which was useful. And there was a lot of like great action here. I thought the figure four by McIntyre was a nice touch with the Ric Flair element and Orton getting out of that by pulling the referee out of the way and delivering a thumb to the eye. There was colour in this match, obviously not a huge amount, but enough to at least be noticeable. The constant attempts at the RKO and he kept getting away from it. Then the finish is just really, really well done where he dodges the uh, Claymore kick. He thinks that he's about to hit the RKO and win, but puts him to a backslide and you defend the championship off the back of a backslide. I think Rob was right in the sense that he, it has the great presentation he got a really good entrance. He looks like as much of a champion, if not more, than he has done this entire time. And I think the, the thing with McIntyre is that we can look at it with the sense that what we talked about earlier with a lot of feuds repeating on each other. He's been going from challenger to challenger every single month, pretty much, having a one-month or one- or two-month-long feud with every one, of, every one of them. And I think that's really working for him. He's looking he, – he feels like a real champion to me. And it's so much more refreshing because you do get different things. Like his feud with Dolph Ziggler is completely different from his feud with Randy Orton and completely different from his feud with Bobby Lashley and completely different from his Seth Rollins one and completely different from the Brock Lesnar one to begin with. So that's where I get to where I go. If you could do that for the McIntyre thing and you could do this logical thing and you can do that logical thing, then why do you just do things like the Andrade and, uh, Garza and Street Profits thing where you're like that again and again and again and again. It's like that thing from the Simpsons of the uh you're filming the angles and we did that scene, we did it 40 times or whatever. Well, we gotta shoot it from different angles again and again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus Mickey Rooney in the future, maybe. I don't know. I the one, play thing that I, one thing I had to say about this match didn't leave a lot of room. For a rematch. Now, it's WWE. You can always just do whatever the fuck you want. Again and again but, and again. <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't leave a lot of room for like, oh, Randy Orton got right up and attacked him. You know, we're going towards payback now. It kind of felt definitive. I don't yeah. want a rematch, actually, a payback. Even uh, though I like this. You're in, you're not in luck there, I don't I think. I think they are going to find some way to weave it into a match maybe just or and we'll come up with something stupid in the same way with the edge stuff just say well neither of us hit any of our finishes so that's you just fluke to win so you didn't you didn't pin me properly you didn't lay me out that sort of thing and so but realistically it should be McIntyre out wrestled or and got the victory fair and square and so it should be moving on someone else but you're not going to build someone else up in a week no so it's probably just Keep important again <laughs> Keith Lee's got a feud with Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Well, no, no, but he could have a one-off match with Drew McIntyre. Yeah, he how did have the guy a... lose on his first night, on his first weekend? That sounds like a great way to uh, retribution. Get him you don't even need to, you don't even need to kill him off. Retribution. 
yeah, have him get beaten up by the five foot eight uh, like, but balaclava and midgets. That's going to really like get him <laughs> over as well. Just air that uh, sparring session that McIntyre and Keith Lee had. There you go. Just do that and be like, good enough. Now, I'd be fine with uh, Payback not being like, here's eight matches and these titles are on the line or whatever. I'd be fine with them just doing a little bit of like extra crap. Kind of yeah. like, uh, I don't need the Raw and the SmackDown women's titles on the line. Have the tag titles not be good enough. Yeah, they, they won't be. It'll be the women's tag team titles. You'll probably get some sort of... They could maybe do the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax match there if they wanted to do another wins match on there. You're probably going to get the Intercontinental Championship rematch. So there'll be plenty enough to fill, fill it out. Yeah, I mean, like they can play around with some of those things. And ultimately, since it's payback, it's not going to seem like as big of a deal if it's not the biggest matches in the world. Like you can do again, it should have happened at SummerSlam, but you can do the whole like, well, we did Apollo versus MVP a hundred times. We still didn't do the Bobby Lashley one, even though Bobby Lashley is the one that seems like he's the bigger threat to the title. You can just have him announce that he's going to fight for the United States title and do that match. You can get around doing street profits versus uh, Andrade and Garza again. Please don't do that again. Uh, please don't do just like Oscar gets a rematch against Sasha Banks or something like that. But you think they have enough people for a championship scramble? That'd be a fun little one-off match for McIntyre. They totally have like enough it. people, but they, they won't do it. They seem like they don't want to have anything to do with that scramble match anymore. I would say just take everybody he's already de- defeated, like Lashley, Orton, Rollins and Ziggler and just there you go, there's your five. Do a scramble and that's your one off for the show in seven days. I'd be cool with a number one contenders match. Just not Drew McIntyre defending the title because uh, he just did it the previous couple of days, so let's have a number one contenders thing. Sometimes that can be something that matters the most, you know? Fair. I thought it was funny that they did this whole backslide thing, and then they were like, "Well, you never see it coming." And I'm like, "Really?" That that's... was good, though. Oh no, it never saw it coming. Like we, you know, the tagline for this event is like boiling down to a backslide. <laughs> okay, but I liked that it was a backslide because that made sense. That made it seem like you know what McIntyre can actually outthink some of his opponents too, and he's more than just his finisher. Different. I liked it. Uh, before we move on to the main event, let me toss out one more plug, because, you know, why not? If you want to see other things coming that we haven't done, and you want us to just do more things in general, and you want to show your support on the monetary side of things, you got a little spare change in your wallet that you want to toss our way, and you don't want to do that through the means like the merchandise shop and the applause button on YouTube, there are the join buttons on YouTube with the, uh, the membership thing there, and the Patreon now, they're both very similar. They both have uh, about the same equivalency of tiers when it comes to you got the $1 tier, which is essentially just like, hey, helping out a little bit. If you do that on YouTube, you get the little membership loyalty badge thing that goes along with your uh, your name and uh, some access to some custom emojis. And then there's $5 ad block forgiveness. There's $10 for the dark cast tier, the ones that are like Patreon and then YouTube exclusive eventually. But the Patreon things we've been doing, the the 11th one is going to be coming up soon. 
And the pick your poison tier is a part of that as well. That's where you get to request some kind of a special feature, some kind of a gimmick, some kind of an editorial or a podcast or whatever it might be, especially when it comes to like, you know, you get the wide variety of fanboys, anonymous content, and you've got the wide variety of smart cat moment content. There's lots of different options that you could do. If you take advantage of that and you request something, then it happens. That's kind of how that works. Mailbag priority tier as well. If you want to get the mailbag questions answered and we're not doing the mailbag that month, or if we are doing it that month and you want to make sure that it's prioritized, then that is the case. So browse those if you've got the money and if you want to help out in that way, because that would help out a lot in trying to make sure that Smart Cat Moment grows, that we get more substantial content out there, that we can get more people on the editing side of things, more people just pumping out content too, more people that can handle things like doing the audio and video editing of these podcasts so I can record more podcasts because I won't have to dedicate the time to doing that kind of side of things and a more stable website. I would love to move over to a whole different WordPress system and get that up and running, but it costs way too much money for me to do it on my own. So uh, obviously money is tight for everybody, but I do like to mention that just in case so that way people know that there is always room for smart out moment and fanboys anonymous to grow. The only matter that it hasn't is because time and money. That's it. So the main event was the false count anywhere match again uh, between Braun Strowman and the fiend Bray Wyatt for the universal championship. I've got positives. I've got negatives. I've got things in the middle. I, I didn't dislike the match, but I didn't at first by the end of it. I did. Yeah, kind of one of the reasons why this didn't really need to be a false count anywhere match. Correct. They really didn't, you know, if you, you set this precedent and we've seen it a million times and stuff. So we know that this is the case. A false count anywhere match is advertised as falls go anywhere, literally throughout the arena, outside of the arena. You've had false count anywhere matches where it ends backstage area. You've had it where it's, you know, somebody gets pinned uh, around the woods uh, in a Creek for the hardcore title, different thing. There's lots of options. So when you do a false count anywhere match and you essentially just fight on the stage and you go to the grill position and that's it, that's underwhelming. That's kind of the same as when you have a street fight, no DQ, anything can happen, all the weapons are being used kind of thing and then you use a kendo stick. Or if you have a loser leaves WWE match, that's no disqualification and you set up a table and you don't use it. I don't know why WWE on this night, they had several things like that where it's sort of let's do a gimmick but then like not do it just to get people to tune in. Cause the more that you play around with people like that, the less people actually give a shit. And the more that people go, Oh, okay. So at payback, you're going to have a, uh, something, whatever on a pole match, probably not going to have the pole based off of the way that you did the false count anywhere match. Whatever. Like, you know, you, you can't do the boy cried wolf thing and expect to get away with it too much. Didn't like they, that. They overhyped the idea that this was like King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, we we were not looking at the Parasite Godzilla that we were looking at uh, yesterday when Tony and I did that podcast for fanboys. I get The Fiend. I get that he's supposed to be an eccentric, eclectic character. He really does just come across to me as a dude in a mask. Now, thanks, Tony. It took a (laughs) year, but thank you. Like, he, he just came across as a guy in a mask. And I'm not sure why Braun Strowman is so fucking angry. Like, what? what is he so pissed off about? 
Well, not only is that something that they didn't really follow through with, nothing with Alexa Bliss. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, the whole thing was built around Alexa Bliss, and then you didn't have Alexa Bliss. But I said, I, I want to say I said on the predictions, if I didn't, I apologize, that we were just fucking retconning back to when the timeline made sense and we were going to get The Fiend versus Roman Reigns before Goldberg interjected himself, before Braun Strowman got interjected. And it seems like that's where we're going. Because sure enough, it definitely felt like the match we're going to get soon enough is The Fiend versus Roman Reigns. Here's my perspective on the whole thing. I think that this match got changed at the last minute because Roman Reigns became available. Yep. And they decided, okay, that's where we're going with. So let's drop the Alexa thing. Let's, if we were going to go with Braun winning or we're going to go with the theme winning and we're going to have some sort of like massive involvement from Alexa Bliss or there's going to be some more like chaotic way where we can continue this feud a little bit longer. Let's drop all that. Let's just have Roman come in at the end. Whoever wins this, he destroys both guys and he's going to be the next champion in a couple of weeks or months, whether you like it or not. But that's, that's, that's essentially what I think is available. It's like, okay, Roman's available. Everything, everything's around him now. That's you know, get, you know what scares me championship. about. Move on. You know what scares me about that though is the COVID era, and then the pandemic changes and all that stuff has gone on too long to just go. Well, fuck, we got Roman. Never mind Retribution and Alexa and anything else we were doing because we've got Roman, so we don't need any of that anymore. Like it's it's too insulting. Even though don't get me wrong, I was very happy to see Roman Reigns, and I enjoyed everything he did because it seems like he's going to come back with a little bit of an edge, but it just feels insulting in a way. But is that in the slightest bit surprising? No. No, but it doesn't have to be surprising to make me, you know, dislike it. Like, I, I yeah. dislike it because it's not surprising. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's frustrating about it. it. Was I like Roman Reigns. Like, I've said before, I was in the crowd in the 2015 Royal Rumble hoping that Roman Reigns would win. I'm one of the few people who actually was happy with that. I've wanted Roman Reigns to beat Brock Lesnar the first time, not the 15th time when they kept dragging that thing out. Like, I like Roman, and I want Roman to be a bigger deal and to be whatever, but... It is frustrating when you very clearly see that they're just transparent as all hell, that th this becomes, let's put the belt back on Bray and act like the Goldberg thing never happened. And hey, Braun, buddy, thanks for coming out in the, at the 11th hour and saving our asses when we decided to go in a di different direction and then we couldn't do it. But now that you did the thing and you bailed us out at the last minute or whatever, can you go back to being nothing again? Because it's well, essentially what it is. And I got a feeling that this whole thing with Alexa Bliss, yeah, they might have changed it at the last minute, but that's still, you can get around it in different ways. You can do things like, for instance, if the idea is that the TV things matter more than the pay-per-views, which that's an argument people bring up all the time whenever the pay-per-views set up a TV show, they always go, well, the TV ratings are the thing you really are marketing towards now, whatever. And then when the ratings suck, people go, well, the ratings are just there to get the TV things to build up to the pay-per-views. It, it can't work both ways. But if you 
want to do something that's big on SmackDown, you can have Roman Reigns pop up on SmackDown and you can finish this Alexa Bliss thing. But I got a feeling what they're going to do is that their idea, there's, there's two ways that they can go about doing this and they might even overlap a little bit. The Alexa stuff, I think it's kind of inexcusable. They set up the idea behind it and they didn't do it. Same as what they did with Retribution. It's bad booking and it's bad writing. They probably think, well, the Roman Reigns thing is going to get people talking and that's more interesting, so they'll forgive us. There's way too much. They'll forget about it. They'll forgive us. We'll figure it out. And if we don't, then oh well, deal with it. That happens in WWE and it's disgusting. It's really just uh, a worse way to run a creative situation. But I got a feeling they they think, well, why don't we just pick that story up on SmackDown? We can still do Alexa and Braun in something. They could just feud with somebody else with no game plan whatsoever. Well, let's talk about what Roman Reigns, like, let, let's talk about the verbiage he was using and how he just speared Bray and almost as if Tony wrote the words <laughs> for him. <laughs> said you're just some guy in a mask you can't be the champion and then he beat the shit out of braun and said you're not a monster unless i make you a monster and ba- basically he just said i'm back bitch this is my belt again suck my dick this is basically <laughs> the gist of and Roman does that not make it kind of obvious at this point too that if they're not going to do it i'll be shocked that they just have Braun Strowman lose to Roman Reigns at payback. And a three-way dance? No, just no, Braun no, Strowman in a match yeah. with a number one contender kind of angle. And maybe not even necessarily full-on number one contender, but just like Braun is pissed that Roman Reigns came and did that. And then Roman Reigns goes, yeah, well, again, suck my dick. And then he beats him. And then he goes, ah, look at that. Braun just lost twice in a row, but we don't give a shit because that's all that matters is that Roman wins. And then you set up Bray and uh, Roman for Clash of Champions. I'll go one step further, and then you go right back to Fiend and Monster inside Hell in a Cell. Maybe. Oh, God. Oh, God. And then you go, well, Goldberg said he was supposed to wrestle a couple times a year. Survivor Series. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be Survivor Series. He's Universal Champion at that point, so he'll face the WWE Champion, whoever that is. Well, you would think that. You would think that, but remember what they did the last time? Oh yeah, they did. Oh yeah, they didn't do that last time. Uh, well, I mean, completely went against their own logic and uh, setup. (laughs) Well, the is it it really the worst thing in the world if he just wins a three-minute match with Goldberg with Survivor Series? That doesn't bother me as much as the idea that they wouldn't do champion versus champion, because that's to me, it's like that's the point of the Survivor Series at this point. If you don't do that, then why are you doing it? You know? Well, they'll do it. They'll do it either way. It's the big dog. Like, or, you know, <laughs> if they do that kind else. of garbage where they go, oh, okay, well, then to make sure that we do that, let's have Goldberg beat Drew McIntyre and win the championship or some, you know, like I want whatever it is, I want champion versus champion to beat Survivor Series because like, they can get away with it like that. I don't want to go around and do tournament things or do this title's on the line instead and this person's going to be fighting this person, whatever. Like, the circumstance like the Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey thing, and they ended up having flair. Yeah, that was the last minute. They didn't really plan on doing that. But when you just go, well, we want Brock to fight somebody instead, or we want Bray to fight somebody instead, or we want whatever. No, don't do that. I hear you. Goldberg LeBron... beats Roman, 
and Brock beats Drew, and then we get Brock and Goldberg. <laughs> At WrestleMania 37. Yeah. No, it's Survivor Series. Fuck. We don't need to wait. That's what I'm serious. <laughs> but I, mean, I feel bad for Braun because it's like, thanks for bailing us out. We're going to not really give you that great of a title reign. And immediately when we get a chance to push you off on the side, we're going to push you off on the side. And, you know, thanks for whatever, buddy. Here's your storyline that went nowhere. And here's, uh, you know, your two people that you feuded with over the championship and you lost to this guy. Not even in like any kind of weird gimmicks or anything. Not like... There wasn't some kind of otherworldly bullshit or scenarios or anything. It's just, let's pull off the canvas and have the exposed wood. That could have happened in the McIntyre match. That could that happened in Gargano and Ciampa. That, that's not the fiend, Bray Wyatt, mystical monster energy type of stuff. It's just guys and wood planks. That's it? Like you set up this whole thing with Sister Abigail and Alexa Bliss, and you you fight this guy that's essentially just IRS's kid, but for some reason we're gonna go into the idea that he's got mystical powers and whatever, and you you fight him and it changes your soul and all this, and your your finish is he hits him, uh, he he slams him on a wooden plank, and that hurts more. Come on, man. Well, hold on. First of all, I want to talk about Braun Strowman absolutely getting punked out like a bitch. Because how the hell are you going to uncover the wood yourself and then just immediately, like, not even like a, a counter or anything? The fiend just, okay, thanks for doing that for me, pal. Sister Abigail on the wood. Sister Abigail on the wood. One, two, three. Well, why? Why make Braun Strowman look that stupid? But then, well, that became clear once we saw Roman Reigns is back and we don't need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the idea of oh, the Fiend changes everybody, right? For like five seconds. Seth Rollins was, oh, I'm going to burn down the Firefly Funhouse. And then he goes into, uh, was it, was that before or after Hell in a Cell? I don't remember, but he goes into uh, Super Showdown and gets punked out. And he's immediately, you know, he's just Seth Rollins. Just, you know, burn it down guy. Seth, uh, Daniel Bryan, the fiend changes people. You know, uh, he understands my mental anguish. And then Bryan's just the yes guy in two seconds after fighting the fiend. They want to say the fiend changes people. They did the same thing with the Miz. Oh, he was in my house. And then Miz just teams up with John Morrison. Then they immediately drop it. They always shit on Bray Wyatt. But the, and then they're like, oh, no, but it's okay because you're a cool character. Well, the thing did change Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is immediate it transition into his current character. Is a, it is wasn't, an, is, but it wasn't. It is an immediate seen. result from the, it is an immediate result from the thing. But it, it really wasn't, though, because it then was, he goes. It was. You're just not remembering it correctly. He. It's weird because they they went from the Fiend thing into the Survivor Series thing, and the Survivor Series thing kicked off a lot of it. So it's yeah, but but it was it was Seth Rollins kind of like the belief. It the started idea that, it, yeah, 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 because he was he was like paranoid about the side of things, and then he decided to take on the role. Of, I'm the Raw's locker room leader, even though obviously I don't have the title anymore, and obviously the Fiend had already been moved over to SmackDown, so he felt inadequate and that's what right. led to him taking on this character of like a monday night messiah 
And I agree with you, the other ones, like Daniel Bryan hasn't felt any of the effects of it. The Miz, I mean, the Miz, the effect that the Miz felt was that he turned heel. Yeah, the, I'll give them just, the Miz. Just, yeah, but, yeah, but now he's just... But he it, seen any nothing in the way of... And they've changed, they changed but, Braun. It's changed Braun as well. But let's so. see if they stick with that. Let's see if they stick with the psyche change. Like, like the Miz, okay, he turned heel, but then he was like, hey, hey, ho, ho. Like, he didn't gain an edge from fighting with... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what he changed. He became somebody's interested in a uh, music career now. Like it, it just they can do so much more with the character, and I think they really coast on the whole. Yeah, but isn't he so cool? That's what they do, and that's like that's exactly what this is all about. It's just let's go back to the way that it was, and hey, Roman's back. That's the point that we want to drive home. Who cares about anything else? It's the big doubt. I think it's beneficial in this time, this time, the fact that there is no audience around. Because I think that in this trajectory, within a couple of months, people will be shitting on Roman Reigns again. I know certain people already will be, but I feel like by this time, it's maybe not even by Hell in a Cell or Survivor Series, even, uh, people would be booing him out of the building as champion. Because, that, because it's so obvious with this side of things about him. him He's now back, and he just took out your two, the two people that have been your main event stars for the last like three or four months or whatever, and so it's just a clear sign of okay, we're back to shoving Roman Reigns down people's throats now. Mm-hmm. Wait till and, John comes back and takes a literal shit on the chest of Bray Wyatt. It's just it's just the idea of you're wiping away the goodwill that you built up with him through the the counter stuff or the stuff where he was doing stuff through the mid card and building him back up by just saying okay. He's our guy again. No one else matters. That's just the thing that immediately draws some negativity. And there's already people talking about the fact that, and I don't agree with this right now, but people see, have seen that attack as a heel turn. No, I, I don't think, think it's a heel turn. I thought it but, was. Well, just his verbiage makes it seem like it's, he he's was... either he's either going with a super edgy new character where he's like, I'd also say not an anti-hero, but he's someone who just takes no shit from nobody. And he's going to be a, ba- a badass baby face like a Stone Cold Steve Austin type. Or he is, or they've used this idea to try and push the fiend as a new, as a new baby face. And Roman's going to be his heel counterpart now. Either I thought it was definitely a change of character because he was straight up being a dick. He was like, fuck you. This is my belt now. You know, thanks for basically, thanks for keeping it warm. But you can't be the guy. I've always been the guy. I'll always be the guy. This is my... I'm the chosen one, essentially. I mean, we'll find out for certain on SmackDown, because I assume he'll have a promo segment at the very least, and we'll see what kind of verbiage he's using. But based on that side of thing, it at least gives a sense that he now is taking on a persona of, like, he knows that he's the guy, and he's going to lean into it rather than not embrace it as he previously was, or they would they would try to be, hey, I'm just like Roman and I'm cool and all this other stuff. It's just more like, okay, I know I'm the guy now, so I'm just going to run with it, essentially. I well, thought that using was the really same well in 2016 when they did that with him. Using the same logic that I applied, everybody who always bombards the heel and face turn page where, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many things I've gotten over the past few days where it's just sort of like, you know, uh, Drew McIntyre called Randy Orton a son of a bitch. Does that mean that Drew McIntyre is a heel now because he cursed like that kind of thing? No, that one wasn't real, but I'm, I've gotten similar things to that where it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, 
you look at it this way, Braun Strowman, everybody's like, oh, Braun Strowman's a heel, right? And Bray Wyatt's like, well, Bray Wyatt's a babyface, right? But Bray Wyatt is literally putting the mandible claw on Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss hasn't turned heel in the slightest bit. She just, you know, she got pushed down by Nikki Cross and got attacked by the Fiend and was trying to get Braun Strowman to not be a dick. So, like, she's full-on babyface still. Strowman's being more of a heel. Bray Wyatt hasn't stopped being a heel. And Roman Reigns attacked two heels. So it's like, you know, two negatives kind of cancel each other out, essentially. Well, yeah. But it's kind of like in a heelish way. Yeah. But then again, you, but you can revert that by taking on someone like the Stone Cold character because Stone Cold wasn't wasn't yeah, a traditional white-collar baby, white baby face, whatever you want to call it. Like, Stone Cold was like, let me give the stunner to a JR just for the hell of it and stuff, you know yeah. I mean? I think Let's that that's their that idea of making him edgy, there. and they kind of just think, well, if Roman is more of a badass, then people will like him more, and how about we have him do that? I just want to take the Cody Rhodes approach. Heel and babyface are antiquated terms, and we're just telling stories. Cody, but you know Cody's, what, though? Cody, Cody's, Cody's bullshit when he says that. So yeah, no, he is. He's, and, he's so full of shit. He totally is, that. because, it, I mean, he follows comic books and stuff like that. He understands the idea. Yeah, heel and face may not apply and there may be gray areas but there is always an antagonist in a story if you're telling stories and there is no antagonist it's not a story story, then you're just writing in a journal or something you know and yeah somebody might not be a full-blown heel the way that it used to be with dusty Rhodes and stuff where it's like oh dusty Rhodes is like the working man and he's fighting that dastardly Ric Flair and that's, you know, full-blown Rocky and Bullwinkle type stuff. That might not be the case anymore, but if you have a feud, one person's the bad guy and the other one's the good guy. It happens even in babyface and babyface feuds. Look at I'm Captain America Civil War. Captain America Civil War, you got Iron Man and Captain America. It's a Captain America movie. You know who the hero is in the movie? It's not Iron Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of... In the Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt feud, Braun Strowman's been acting more like a heel. Bray Wyatt's always been a heel, essentially, except for when he was with Matt Hardy for a little bit there. In that feud, neither of them were really a babyface, but if you're going to root for one of them to be a babyface at the end of it, it's going to be whoever ends up being the nice person to Alexa. And then you throw Roman Reigns in there right now, and he's just like, hey, fuck you, this is my belt. (laughs) then uh, okay well i guess he took down the monsters and he's the baby face unless they do something where it ends up being like he comes out on smackdown and he's like yeah uh i'm I'm gonna be the champion i'm gonna be both of you also give me a little kid to punt then it's gonna be like i'm pretty sure he's a baby face (laughs) (laughs) what do you guys think about this whole thing people are doing where they're going well kevin owens mentioned retribution And uh, Braun Strowman came out with Wreck It and Leave. <gasps> he said Retribution. What? I don't think either of them. I I think I'm going to reserve judgment on Retribution until I see their next appearance. But I'm really beginning to wonder if this is a vehicle to bring back Cena. And as I said previously, you couldn't pay me to take any attention to this angle right now. So <laughs> I'm waiting for it to give me a reason to care about it rather than me having to try and find it. Well, yeah, but you don't got to tell Tony that he 
he can continue to not pay us for everything we do. <laughs> if you want to pay Callum to uh, pay more attention to this, I was like, you couldn't pay me to do it. There's that one dude out there that's got eight grand right now, and he's like, well, I was going to pay Callum. <laughs> no, um,. Yeah, that's hey, where we left hey, off. Hey, Rob, he'll have a he'll have an opinion about it. That's not what he me today. <laughs> ah, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want more uh, dark casts? Go ahead, you know. But that's how SummerSlam ended, and that means that that's basically the pay per view rundown. Now we need to know how the fantasy league worked out. Okay, so based on the predictions that we made on the on the Wednesday show. I'll go in reverse chronological order so we can build this up a little bit. So in last place, in terms of predictions, with, with <laughs> two correct predictions out of the eight matches we selected for, is Stephen Wago. Goddamn Wago. <laughs> uh, he got uh, Seth Rollins winning and Mandy Rose winning, and that was it. Mm. Wow. Uh, in third place, so picking third in the draft, is Rob. With four correct predictions. Yeah, I fucking sucked. So he got Manny Rose winning, Seth Rollins winning, Oscar winning the Raw Women's Championship match, and Bray Wyatt winning the Universal Championship match. And then there is a tie ah. with five, five Wonder who tied. predictions <laughs> each. Uh, yeah, funny, funny enough, it's uh, Drew actually got him. Yeah, goddamn Drew. <laughs> Uh, it's me and Tony with five correct predictions each. Tony having well, the one where we differed what on was that Tony thought that Dominic was going to win when Seth Rollins won. I thought that Braun was going to win when Bray Wyatt won. Other than that, we're all pretty much the same. Obviously, you predicted a no contest in the WWE Championship match, and everyone else predicted Randy Orton, so nobody got that one right. Damn it! Right, and nobody got Andrade and Angel Garza right because everyone predicted they were going to win Damn. the title. <laughs> uh, and but the difference maker was the timing of the. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt match, which turned out to be the main event, even though I didn't expect it to be. My prediction in time was six minutes thirty-five. Tony's prediction was nine minutes thirty-seven. Even though they don't have the official time up on Wikipedia, it was definitely over twelve minutes or around about twelve minutes. So that means Tony was closer. So Tony will have the first choice Woo! in the fantasy league draft. Come here, Brad, uh, to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it'll be yeah. So <laughs> it'll go. Uh, it'll go. Tony, me. Rob, Wago, and then it will snake around with Wago, Rob, me, and Tony for the eight picks that we're going to make that will make up our teams. I think the one year that I won the Fantasy League was the one that I got the first pick. I don't remember for sure. Well, hopefully that's a um. Well, hopefully that's a trend that doesn't continue because I was hoping that I was. Gonna, I was so annoyed. <laughs> yeah. I was so annoyed with the um because I was doing really well up until the. Randy Orton, because I thought, okay, well, Randy Orton, if Randy Orton wins or it ends in this no contest thing, I just thought, okay, I just need Randy Orton to win this match and I'm home and hosed. And then it's just like Drew McIntyre wins and it's like, okay, now I have to rely on Braun Strowman beating <laughs> Bray Wyatt. And, I, and as soon as the match started, as soon as the main event, I knew Bray Wyatt was going to win the title. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I, I, I knew that I was yeah, there. Yeah, if, if I just would have picked... Bailey winning straight up. It would have been a three-way tie. Yep. 
the Tony yeah. still would have won. You would have come second in that regard. Yeah, because he fucking prices right. <laughs> <laughs> totally prices right, yeah. did you? <laughs> I, I, ha- I have um, I've decided to take a, just to, so people are aware now going forward, I've decided to take that out of the equation. Even though we will still have like a match <laughs> prediction in terms of time going forward, I will ask people independently after the show <laughs> to give a time uh. as opposed to just wait for someone to arbitrarily give the final number, which is one second above what the other person's time was. <laughs> Well, shit, if you're going to ruin my strategy the whole time, then this thing's fixed. That's something to look forward to next week, then. Hopefully around Tuesday is when we will record this. Uh, this week is still crazy. It seems like it should end, but then the WWE was just sort of like, yeah, more. It's like, all right, <laughs> I guess we're just going to keep that going. So, more asbestos. More. Yeah, more asbestos. So... Hopefully Tuesday we record that and get our teams all sorted out and stuff. Did you guys pick uh, team names yet? I have a team name in mind. I'm not going to say it until we do it, but you have teams? I have I one ha- in mind, but I might switch it up. Yeah, I have one in my head right now. I have I have a couple, but I think there's one that I'm going to go with, but I don't... I, I, if something better comes along because I'm not too proud of it, then I'll think of that. If not, I'll just go with it. I only have one team name, so if anybody picks that, I'm screwed. <laughs> But if you would like to toss out suggestions of team names for us in the meantime, maybe you end up uh, having some better ideas that we go with instead. So drop them in the comments below. What do you think that our team should be named? Uh, I'm totally taking the mango tree. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not the name of it. Uh, The game plan is to do that sometime uh, before we do the payback predictions. Then, of course, throughout the week, we've got the hot tags after that and then we've got the paul Heyman smackdown podcast and then we've got the payback again but for the post show so we've got another one two three four five podcasts coming your way just from smart moment over the next few days and that's going to be a lot of work but it's going to be a lot of fun too hopefully at the very least not some kind of like weird technical issues or something like that but yeah, if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel and you're following us on Facebook and Twitter and maybe the RSS feed on smartcomemoment.com or any kind of means for you to get the information of when these new things come out, then you'll see them when they come up. And there might be some see, uh, seeing some other things as well. I mentioned before that I'm working on plenty of different things to try to update some stuff going forward. And you know, maybe I'll figure out a way to get some of that crap up. <laughs> it's all timing and timing and money. You need money for time. You need time for money. So. As the cycle continues, just keep paying attention. Just keep showing your support in whatever way it is, even if it's just to listen to the shows and to click on the articles or whatever it might be. I don't know. Anything that you do is awesome. It makes you an awesome person. So I mentioned before that the next couple of things are coming up, and one of those things is the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast. And to tell you a little bit more about how that is all about and where you can check out that dark cast and so on and so forth, Callum, fill them in. So the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast, if you haven't checked out any of the episodes before, is where me and Rob go back to the year 2002, where Paul Heyman was the head writer of Smackdown, and just reviewing every single episode that took place under his stewardship. So we've up to, we're up to the most recent episode from most recent Saturday was for the uh, SummerSlam uh, Go Home Show for 2002, which is followed by a special episode which we put on the Patreon Darkcast, where me and Rob review SummerSlam 2002. And then next, coming up next Saturday will be the next edition following that, where there is a special gauntlet to determine who will be the next number one contender for the Undisputed Championship. 
So hopefully you look forward to that episode as well. If you want to watch it in advance, make sure you get ahead on that. But other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at Winkmeister14. Check out all the articles on smartcatmoment.com. And hopefully you look forward to the Fantasy League next week. Yeah, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DudeFelice. You can check out everything else I've got going on in addition to the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast. You can look at uh, the WrestleZone and the WrestleZone Daily, Monday through Friday, where you get your podcast and on Facebook and on YouTube. There's uh, Fightful Select. Sean Ross Sapp works very hard on these scoops. You know, show him some love. You can check out the Fanboys Anonymous podcast that we just recorded less than 24 hours ago, where Tony and I review Superman, Man of Tomorrow, a blind review as we watch the thing and you just get our initial takes on it. That was a lot of fun. I want to do more Fanboys Anonymous. So Tony's going to plug the Patreon again. Tony? (laughs) Patreon.com slash Fanboys Anonymous. I really, 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 really want to do more Fanboys Anonymous content. I really want to get the chance to go through all the things that have happened with DC Fandom. I really would have a big lot of things to talk about when it comes to the new Batman trailer, because I got a chance to watch that, and I got opinions. Some of them good, some of them, eh. And, uh, you know, plenty of other things like that. On the superhero spectrum, on the movie stuff, TV show, video games, comic books, anything on the geek culture side of things, you'll find over on fanboysanonymous.com. So show some love to that thing over there, you know, the sister site, the the blue brand, whatever you want to call it, fanboysanonymous.com. But if you're still just sticking around with the smart moment stuff, still like you, still good, you know. And <laughs> hopefully you'll be sticking around for all the other things coming up in the future. But for now, though, this has been another Smart Out moment, and we're being counted out. 